dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. In honor of Halloween, we're listening to The Three Ghosts from The Shadow, originally aired on Halloween 81 years ago. The Shadow made his radio debut in 1930 as the sinister host of The Detective Story Magazine Hour, a radio series based on the magazine of the same name. This version of The Shadow was played with Malevolent Glee by Frank Reddick, who eight years later would play the doomed reporter Carl Phillips in Mercury Theater's infamous War of the Worlds broadcast. The sinister voice of the shadow proved so popular that publishers Street and Smith hired writer Walter B. Gibson to transform their radio host into the crime-fighting star of his own pulp magazine. In turn, the popularity of the pulp magazine inspired another shadow radio series. This time, the shadow was more than just a host. He was the protagonist. This new incarnation of the shadow starred two actors who would one day be legends of the medium, Orson Welles and Agnes Moorhead. During the early days of the radio series, the writers experimented with the shadow's mental influence, often expanding his abilities far beyond the power to cloud men's minds. Today's episode was the sixth story to be broadcast and features a version of the shadow that stands in stark contrast to the law and order respecting shadows portrayed by Bill Johnstone and Brett Morrison. So please... Enjoy this darker take on the Invisible Avenger, originally broadcast October 31st, 1937. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The Shadow, the man of mystery who strikes terror in the very souls of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Friends, there's no longer any need for you to rely on guesswork when it comes to buying fuel. Now you can get the best fuel for home use, and know it at a glance, too. For blue coal, the finest of Pennsylvania hard coal, is colored a harmless blue at the mines for your protection, so that you can identify it instantly. To be sure that the fuel you buy is a safe, healthy, economical fuel, get America's finest anthracite. Ask for blue coal by name. Order your supply tomorrow. I can't stand it, I tell you. Always at nine o'clock it comes. 
But if I hear that horrible thing again, I, I'll go crazy. Oh, this awful house. But it's quiet, my dear. Way out in the country like this, I can install my laboratory here as soon as I get around to it. As for these strange sounds, well, haunted houses have always fascinated me. I've always wanted to meet a ghost, shake hands with him, invite him to tea. Stop talking like that. It's serious. Oh, I've tried to stand it for your sake, Arthur, but I don't know how much longer. My heart isn't strong and I... Hear it? But that's only the wind, isn't it? No. It always starts like that. You know it does. Don't move. Listen. Arthur, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. A ghost, eh? Well, we'll see. I'll meet him this time. I'll meet him halfway, too. Stop! Stop! Come. We'll both meet him. Give me your hand. No! Carolyn. Carolyn, it stopped. Can't you hear me? Goodness me. Has the shock killed her? No, her heart still beats. She's only fainted again. Hmm? She just passed out of here. It's that big house set on the hill. May I ask, Margot, the reason for this late call on Carolyn Sneed? I'd like to know what's the matter with the poor woman. I got an awful shock when I saw her in town last week. She looks positively haggard. I never saw such a change come over a person. A married life may not agree with her. She was a spinster for close to 40 years, wasn't she? I know, but I think she was foolish. Carolyn has nearly a million dollars in her own name. She didn't have to marry. Yes, but... Right now, I'm not the shadow. Remember, I'm just your patient chauffeur, darling. Lamont Cranston, in need of a rest from my famous mystery man role. That last adventure took a lot out of me, you know. Well, a marriage problem is hardly... Seriously, though. Nobody knows anything about this man she married. He came into town six months ago, met Carolyn in some accidental manner at the county fair, and proceeded to rush her off her feet. I've met him only once, but I don't like his looks. Hmm. Something sinister, I gather. Hence the shadow idea. Well, who is he anyway? Professor Arthur Sneed, I believe he calls himself. He has a small office in town where he's supposed to be working on inventions or something. Well, here we are. Hmm. Usually pretty level-headed, Margot, but don't let your aversion for this man we're seeing be too apparent. Place, isn't it? I don't see any bell. I guess you're supposed to use the knocker. Here he comes. Well, who is... Oh, it's you, Miss Lane. Yes. Good evening, Professor Sneed. I hope we aren't too late. Too late? Too late for what? Why, I phoned Carolyn that we'd drop in just to say hello. Uh, well, well, she didn't tell me. Uh, Carolyn isn't feeling well at the moment. I, I'm sorry. Good night. 
Oh, but please, I only want to see her for a moment. That is, unless it's something really serious. Well, it isn't as serious as she pretends to think it is, but, uh... Well, come in. Thank you. Uh, this is my friend, Lamont Cranston. Uh, come in. I'm very happy to see Mr. Cranston. I've heard a lot about him. How do you do? You say Carolyn is ill? She didn't mention it, it when I... It came on suddenly. She's been in a nervous condition lately, but it's mostly imaginary. I made her go to bed. Well, would it be all right if I saw I it? I suppose you? so. Go on up if you like. Well, thanks. I'll only be a few minutes, Lamont. Uh, what seems to be the trouble with your wife, Professor Sneed? Oh, she's run down, I guess. Frightfully nervous. She has some absurd notion that this place is, uh, well, haunted. Haunted? It's only the wind, of course, and the creaking of an old house. Mm. Ghosts. She keeps talking about ghosts. And I can't persuade her that there are no such things. Of course, old houses have a habit of getting themselves haunted, Professor. As for myself, I'm not so sure there aren't such things as ghosts. But surely, Mr. Cranston... Oh, not the conventional sort, perhaps, but... I mean people's spirits. Souls, whatever you want to call them. Haunting the places where they've been unhappy. Very interesting, I'm sure. But a lot of tosh. I put no stock in it. No? I'm just noticing that rather rare book on the table, Professor. Neurosis of Death. What? If you're interested in that, I'm sure you must be interested in ghosts. I understand its morbid analysis of the factors of violent death are quite interesting. What do you know about it? Oh, I read all sorts of things, Professor. Professor Smith. Oh, uh, yes, Miss Lane? Carolyn wants her sedative. Oh, yes, yes. I, I'll go up and give it to her. Did you find her comfortable, Miss Lane? Well, I, I think Carolyn is seriously ill. Yes, but more nerves than anything. Uh, excuse me uh, just a moment, won't you? Lamont, there's something wrong here. Oh, I was afraid there was. I, I I don't know what it is, but it's something terrible. Well, what's the matter with Carolyn? Well, she hardly recognized me, and she talks like one in a trance. As though she were in the grip of some deadly fear. When I suggested sending the doctor over, she shook her head. But I'm going to just the same. I can't help feeling it's... It's that man, her husband. Yes, he isn't very pleasant, is he? His skin has an odd pallor. You see it on men who've spent some time in prison. There are many little traits of his behavior that interest me as a, a psychologist. A remarkable man. But you don't know... I don't know. But I think we'll investigate this more or less formally, Margot. I'll visit the professor tomorrow at his office in town. If there are ghosts involved here, perhaps the shadow can bring them to light. Hello? Yes, Carolyn? Well, don't worry, my dear. I'll leave the office here at five, and I'll be home before six. Yes. Yes, I understand. Goodbye, dear. Well, who is it? Is that you, Miss White? 
opening that door. Don't get up, Professor. I'll close it after me. What? I thought I might find you in. Who said that? Who are you? Your conscience speaking, Professor. Or have you a conscience? I'll show you what I've got. <laughs> Don't excite yourself. I'm only a voice. A voice they call... Professor, have you ever heard of the shadow? The shadow? Yes. You seem to have heard of me. What do you want? I've come to warn you, Sneed. Warn me? Warn me about what? I know what you're doing. What? And I know how it's going to end. The end is death. Death? I have something here I'll toss in your lap. There. Do you hear it? Why, you... Get out of here, I tell you. See it? Look. It's half of a playing card. The ace of spades. When you find the other half, that will be the end. Get out and leave me alone. All right, Sneed, I'll go, but don't forget. The shadow knows. <laughs> Trying to frighten me with his tricks. Oh, coming back, are you? You, Miss White. There are two gentlemen here to see you, Professor Sneed. Two gentlemen? Well, I'm not expecting... I guess you may remember us, Professor Sneed. Spike. Your old friend, Spike Collins, and Mr. Wilson here. Yes, uh, yes, of course. Uh, uh, please take those circulars on your desk, Miss White, and mail them at the post office right away. Yes, sir. Lock that door, right? Okay. And what are you staring at, Sneed? We ain't ghosts. Uh, I thought you two were doing a stretch at Leavenworth. Yeah, we were. But we framed a getaway. And now we come to see an old pal. Well, now listen, Spike. I'd help you if I could. Not. We've been watching you and we know your game. We ain't got no time to stall. This old dame you're married has got plenty of... I don't know what you're driving at. Well, you'll know if we squawk about that dame you married out in Idaho that croaked without anybody knowing what was the matter with her. Cards on the table, Sneed. Is this one signed our money over to you? Yes. She fixed her will in my favor. Well, what are you doing to get her? Well, she has a weak heart. And... I know. Playing ghost and scaring her to death, eh? That's too slow, Sneed. I got a better scheme. We break into the house. Stage of burglary, see? In a scuffle, the old dame gets shot. Dead. It's quick. No, no. You can't do that. No. You'll see. <laughs> Be there in time. 
six o'clock. Be there. The shadow will return in just a few moments. While we're waiting, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about the ever-increasing popularity of blue coal, America's finest anthracite. Blue coal is winning new friends every day among New England housewives. They not only like the superior heat of blue coal, but they find that it simplifies housekeeping. This is because blue coal is so clean. It burns completely and does not send any particles of unburned carbon through the house to be deposited on furniture or woodwork. The drudgery of daily cleaning is reduced to a minimum with this clean fuel. Blue Coal is the largest single brand of solid fuel prepared especially for home use. Each car is laboratory tested at the mines for purity and size before shipment. Blue Coal is Pennsylvania's finest anthracite. So that you can personally identify this excellent fuel, it is actually colored blue at the mines. Order it by name. You will find the name of your nearest Blue Coal dealer... Listed in the where to buy it section of your classified telephone directory under the name Blue Coal. comfortable in that chair, Carolyn? Yes, thank you, Margaret, dear. And I do appreciate your coming out here and staying with me. I'm glad to do it. But it's six o'clock. Your husband ought to be coming home pretty soon, shouldn't he? Uh, He phoned just before you got here and said he was starting. He seemed very agitated. Oh, he's a strange, unaccountable man sometimes. There are things about him I don't seem to understand. Yes, I know, dear. He has the car, I suppose? Yes, he's driving. He's probably on his way now. I've got to think. I've got to think of something. I know. We leave town. You're driving rather recklessly, Sneed. You again. I'm going to haunt you. Try to forget that I'm here in the rear seat. If it annoys you. No, don't look under the seat. If I could only see you, get my hands on you, I'd show you how much it annoys me. (laughs) Shut up. I'm the voice of your conscience, Smeed. Perhaps you have a conscience. After all... I could choke that voice down your throat without any trouble to my conscience. If you only had the power of second sight, you could see me. That's an invaluable gift, Smeed. Being able to see things that other men can't. Some people call it mental telepathy. Some by other names. Remember, I can see the pictures you make in your mind. I told you about that. You can warn all you like. That's not evidence. Not in court. A lot of wild guesses that don't mean anything. Well, doesn't it frighten you a little, Sneed? I simply will you not to see me, and you don't. Careful. There's a truck coming down the road. Better sound your horn. Good Lord, the fool's taking up the whole road. It's going to hit you. 
Look out. It's gone. There wasn't any truck there. No. I willed you to see it. And you saw it. No truck at all. Just hypnotism. Gosh, I... I'm having hallucinations. But that's the way to dispel hallucinations. Drive straight through them. Be careful. We're near your house. And this old mill road is tricky. What about it? Look, Sneed. There's a man in the road ahead of you. There is, eh? Really? Why, it looks like one of your two pals that called on you today. I knew he would be here, Sneed. Really? You're going to hit him if you don't watch out. More of your hallucinations. You think that I'll believe you again, don't you? Well, I won't. Look out. I, I hit him. This time, it was no hallucination, Sneed. He was in front of you. <laughs> Tired of this rigmarole, though heaven knows things happen when you phone. 
And what's the assistance today? Why didn't you investigate the ghost that haunts Needhouse Commissioner on the old mill road? Well, you missed up on that one, Mr. Shadow. I don't put much stock in ghosts, but we went out there and checked up. Searched the house. There's no evidence. No. Go again today, Commissioner. And this time, I think you'll get your evidence. <laughs> Is that the last trunk, Arthur? Yes. The expressman won't be here until four. Another hour yet. Why don't you go up and lie down a while, Caroline? Hmm? Yes, I will. Try to sleep a little now that it's daylight. You uh, told the milkman we wanted to pay him. He's coming back before we leave. Good. Well, that must be him now at the back door. (gasps) Get back. Get back. What's the matter, Sneed? Did you see a ghost? Stop. Don't come near me. Snap out of it, will you? This is me, Spike Collins. You? Alive? It wasn't me you hit with your car last night on that back road. Well, I guess you wish it had been, huh? Who, who was it then? It was Rat Wilson. Fool got half pickled trying to get up his nerve for the job. Staggered out on the road before I could stop him and wham. It was all over. Wilson, eh? So that was my chance, see? Him and me about the same size. His face and hands all smashed flat. I put my stuff in his pockets, my ring on what was left of his finger. Here I was, dead. <laughs> and all that time you was giving me the double cross. And maybe I am a ghost. But I can still deal with you, Sneed. Who is it, Arthur? Uh, just a minute, Carolyn. Now listen, Spike. There's only one way to see this thing through. You and I have got to stick together. The shadow is after us both. We've got to get out together. Away from this, this yeah. shadow. Don't kid me anymore about the shadow. You see this cat? I'm here on business and I'm going through with it. Put the old lady out of her misery. Good Lord. What's the matter? There. On the table. Nothing but a torn playing card. Yes, of spades. Or half of it. You've got to stop it, Spike. You've got to stop it. What's the matter? Who's this man? Uh, Carolyn, this uh, this is a friend of mine. A friend? Sure, a friend. But I don't understand. The pistol, I... Yeah, that's my way of doing business, lady. Your husband does it different. He's been scaring you to death, ain't he? Making you think the place was haunted. You know how he always does it? Stop it, Spike. He used to be an electrician, see? He rigs up a sort of electric sound box with a remote control switch. He usually puts the switch... Over here, by the door. Yeah, here it is. What's it all about, Arthur? The Ace of Spades. The end. Death. When he turns the switch, you hear the ghost stand. All you have to do is turn this knob. That's the way it works, lady. But I hear it. Arthur, I hear it. Turn that thing off, you idiot. I haven't turned it on. You haven't. Then, then what's making those sounds? 
sounds. <laughs> I am. Um... What's that? It's him. He's come. A shadow. I am coming up these cellar stairs. I will enter and stand beside you. Where is he? Stand back or I'll shoot. When I enter, I will touch one of you on the shoulder. Stop him. Stop him. And that one will die. It's the cops. Come here, Sneed. It's a friend. You call in the cops. No, don't shoot, Spike. The jig is up. You can have the bullet I was going to give your wife, you double-crossing skunk. Killed him. Come on, here we are. Go through that side room, boys. Okay. Stick him up. Got him. I got him. I'll stand. Still around. Break your arm. Now, hand over that gap. All right. I'm through. You win. Spike Collins. Spike Collins. I thought he was... I thought you... Say, what is this? Who was that guy that got killed over here last night? Come clean, Collins. Whoever it was, I didn't do it. <laughs> Who's that? Where are you? Don't be alarmed. I am here behind you. In the shadow. Oh. So you're here, Shadow, eh? Maybe you know who got killed here last night. The man killed last night, Commissioner, is a ghost. Oh, yeah? There are now two ghosts in this little adventure. Mr. Collins will probably make the third. You really should believe in ghosts now, Commissioner. And in shadows. <laughs> And now, before today's adventure with the shadow comes to a close, John Barkley, Blue Coal's own heating expert, is here to give us another of his practical talks on automatic heating. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barkley. Good evening, friends. In former Sunday night talks of mine, I've shown you the importance of having the temperature of the home properly controlled with the Blue Coal automatic heat regulator. That is, in terms of health and convenience. Now, tonight, I'm going to give a third important reason for automatic heating, economy. Most societies will tell you that the proper degree of heat in the home is 70 degrees. Naturally, you can't by hand keep your fire from giving off more than 70 degrees of heat, but the blue coal automatic heat regulator can and does. But here's how that saves you actual fuel dollars. Heating engineers have discovered that for every degree you raise the temperature above the desired 70 degrees, your fuel goes up in cost one and one-half percent. So you see, friends, by automatically shutting off that heat, that extra wasteful, unhealthy heat, heat regulator automatically saves on fuel cost. Why not investigate this blue coal heat regulator further? Ask your local blue coal dealer to give you a demonstration. The cost is only $18.95 plus a small charge for installation. You'll find it well worth every cent of that and more. Moreover, if you have any heating problems, discuss these also with your blue coal dealer. 
He is the best informed heating authority in your community, and assisted by his John Barclay trained serviceman, can, I'm sure, help you save money and have a more comfortable home this winter. This service is free. It costs you nothing. Thank you. The Shadow Adventure you have just heard is copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. The characters in this story are entirely fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> That was The Shadow, and the episode The Three Ghosts, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that is our final in this month of October ghost stories as we wrap it up for this Halloween. And Joshua brought this to us, and as he we mentioned in the opening... That originally aired back in 1937 on Halloween, mm-hmm. and nothing like The Shadow. Uh, I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you know that Joshua and I are huge fans, although there's going to be some revelation in this uh, episode. Some revelation. Let me guess, you don't like Orson Welles. <laughs> you are so close, but wrong. Agnes <gasps> Moorhead. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who hates Agnes Moorhead? Come on. Nobody. Here it is. I don't like Orson Welles very much. So consequently, I have spent my life not listening to the Orson Welles shadows. That's very petty of you. I like Bill Johnstone a lot. Mm -hmm. I like Brett Morrison a lot. I like those shadows a lot. And there's a billion of them. And I don't think I've gotten through all of those yet. So I never listen to them because I've got this thing about Orson that he bugs me in. So here comes the shadow. Recommended by... Joshua, and it's an Orson one. I went, all right. And I'll be damned. He is fantastic. He is the best shadow. He is by far the best. Because you said in the opening, this is a far more sinister take. His powers go beyond the reach of clouding a man's mind. The stories are darker. They're not simplistic. This is a revelation to me. I thought you'd heard these versions. No, I've always avoided them because Orson was in them. (laughs) Wow. I just I was drawn to these because as a kid, I was introduced to to old time radio through War of the Worlds. And so then when I figured out that Orson Welles was the shadow at first, that's the only shadow I would listen to. I take the difference to be, and this is totally pretending to be an academic about it, (laughs) the later shadows in the 1940s more... 
adventure hero, infallible hero, as mm-hmm. you frequently say you're a fan of. Yeah. And the 1930s is more in that pulp, dark, exactly. twisted kind of The pulp tradition. shadow just had guns, and if you were a criminal, he shot you dead. <laughs> and laughed about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to love about this. The fact that they lost these extended powers to create hallucinations is a shame because that is so cool. That gives him so much more than just being an invisible guy that shows up in the room in hopes that no one shuts the door and starts swinging a bat. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I love this episode of The Shadow, and I love these early Orson Welles shadows, but in defense of the later shadows, you do have a bit of a Superman dilemma here where he has so much power here that he's unbeatable. You are dangerously close to being the position of... Eric and I going, we so love this. This is so much the best. And then you have to think, whoa, whoa, whoa. This shadow's not that good. <laughs> not what I'm saying. I love this shadow. It just no, wasn't... you don't love this shadow enough, man. <laughs> it's not sustainable. It's on. <laughs> How is it not sustainable? I've gone down a path I did not intend to go down because I love this episode of The Shadow. Love Point- it better. My point being is, to bring up another touchy subject, The Shadow is a lot like Doctor Who to me. Like, whatever episode of The Shadow I listen to, whatever actor, I go, this is my favorite as I'm listening to it. I love the fact that it changes so much, and I think that's what keeps it fun to listen to, that there's these Orson Welles shadows in this style, there's Bill Johnstone, there's Brett Morrison in a different style, and uh, Mm -hmm. there's weird, obscure actors who stepped in, like John Archer, or you can find the episodes where the Australian <laughs> shadow stepped in. <laughs> the <laughs> Paul Hogan shadow? Yes. <laughs> but yes, I am not going to try to argue against this version of the shadow. I love it. <laughs> One of my favorite things about it is that Orson Welles doesn't really delineate between the shadow and Lamont Cranston. There's not that chuckling playboy of Lamont Cranston. He's as somber and morose as Lamont Cranston mm-hmm. as he is as the shadow. Yeah, I, I love that in particular. I'm cranky. I don't want to do this Lamont Cranston. And still find like, all right, let's go to work. And then it's really <laughs> nasty shadow. Yeah. Right. It's more than just his expanded powers. It's that he is using this psychological warfare oh, with yeah. the ace of spades. To, yeah, cut yeah. Two. Card that is just purely to be mean. Yeah. And He's when out he, to get him. At the end when he says, I'm going to touch your shoulder and you, you will, will die. die. And yeah. you have to go, what does the shadow know? Or he's anticipating that Spike Collins is going to shoot him. He's not going to do anything to stop it like the later shadows would. He's just going to go, right as the bullet's about to hit you, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder so you're really scared before you die. (laughs) (laughs) There's another interesting thing that is dropped in the later ones in that everything in the later shadows, Margot Lane is in on. In this episode, they're reading about the guy dying and getting hit on the road. And the newspaper? And he's like, huh, how about that? I want to know how that happened. Like, he's not letting her in that as the shadow, I went and screwed with this guy's head so bad that he ran him over. But she knows he's the shadow. However, he's not letting her in on how possibly demented he is. That's such an interesting Mm -hmm. take. I like that too, that privacy of it. She becomes a little more involved in the later Orson Welles one. And I think they're pulling it from the uh, pulp magazines. There's a lot with Orson Welles' shadow contacting Margot Lane via 
radio right or a mental farm. telepathy <laughs> yeah and and he calls out to her and tells her what to do next and so she becomes a little more active in the later ones uh, but yeah this one she's kind of a passive observer she merely brings the mystery to the shadow and like tim says he's like okay fine as long as i have to do it i'm gonna murder everyone <laughs> <laughs> and it is that wonderful thing of for as awful as he is the people he's fighting are so much worse yeah like yeah. Ah, i put my ring on what was left of his hand <laughs> yeah, they're deserving of this. There's no moral ambiguity in that side of it. I yeah. mean, you might argue there's moral ambiguity as in the law should handle it like the later shadows always argue. Like, oh, we've listened on this podcast. It's one of my favorite shadows is the gibbering things. Right. And one of the big story points in that at the end is that the, um, oh, lumber, he kill the lumberjacks or whatever at the end want their revenge against the professor. Right. And the shadow's like, no, we should let the law decide this. Orson <laughs> Welles would be like, have at it, boy. <laughs> well, exactly right. I'll bring the popcorn. <laughs> The Shadow is generally more omniscient in this version, too. He seems to know everything is about to happen before it happens. I did not take it that way. Okay. I don't think he knew that the wrong guy got hit by the car. I don't know that he necessarily knew that I'm going to touch on the shoulder. I think he's just like, I'm going to throw things at you and pretend and bluff, and when I need to, kill you just to make that happen. Yeah, so he's just surprised in the moment. He's like invisibly like, Punching the air, like, yes! <laughs> Nailed it! Yes! That was fortuitous. No, I don't have to do it. But he is planning a little bit in that scene in the car yes. where he's planting the idea that uh, these hallucinations... Just drive through them. Just drive through them. So he is somehow knowing that there's going to be someone in the road. Or he's certainly hoping, and there's all these adventures that go terribly wrong that we're not privy to. <laughs> like, damn it! <laughs> I turn around, come back. Come back. Go Hold on the block. Go I gotta go block. talk to somebody. <laughs> Why don't you go on the road? <laughs> Little plot point I need help with. The guy had a former wife in Idaho that died, and now he has his current wife. Why did he kill the former one? And why is he trying to kill this one? I, for the money. For the money. Okay. He's got I, a fortune. And that's why no, Spike I, and everyone is so interested. They want to cut. I just was double checking. Did I get yeah. that right? Because I didn't go back and listen twice. Yeah. Sure so I, I like that element too. This is a professor. He's an inventor. So he has this subtle approach to crime where he's <laughs> going to like make people think they're going crazy. And these guys he met in prison are like, just shoot her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on. And I love the way Orson Welles says the last name Sneed. It has just <laughs> such disdain in it every time he says it. Uh... So Orson Welles at this time was like 11? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. 21. Or no, he's like in the 22 or 20. I can't remember how old he was in War of the Worlds. I thought he was like 19. 23. No, no, no. no he, he was 23. And yeah, 22. so he was 22. 21, 22 here. Interesting thing for those listeners who may not know about this fun little old-time radio fact that gets thrown around a lot, but it's a great story. Uh, he was so busy at this time in his life mm -hmm. that he was not only not reading the shadow scripts ahead of time, but he was coming from his theater, hiring an ambulance. Yep. This would only thing that could get him across town fast, fast enough. enough. So they would put the sirens on. He would pay the ambulance driver and get him across town to the studio. Read this cold. Read this cold and then make the joke every show at the intermission part. I can't wait to see how this turns out. Yeah. What you just heard, everybody, he did this cold. 
He yeah. did not pre-read these scripts. By the way, it still boggles me. Can you imagine today how much trouble everybody would get in if an ambulance driver said, yeah, <laughs> I'll take some money and I'll turn the lights on. You know how but much he, money the ambulance would cost now? <laughs> right. He also apparently used to, or I did at least once, I had a bunch of blank pieces of paper and pretended in the middle of a broadcast to drop his script, which freaked everybody out because he had never read it or whatever. He was playing a practical joke on everybody. However, I will say that most of these stories come from Orson Welles, and I would categorize him as an unreliable narrator. (laughs) They are fantastic stories, but there's a little part of you that has to go, I wonder if all of that is true. Orson would never make himself bigger than life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he would never lie to make himself seem grander. No. That's not Orson Welles. No. That man is the most humble. <laughs> Down which is to why earth. I never listen to yeah. them because I can't stand them. But and he's a fantastic performer for well, something like yeah, this. Uh, yeah. Did I not say that at the yeah. top? He is the perfect shadow. And they should have stayed with this sinister, darker side of it. I just, the older shadows, don't get me wrong, I love them. And they remind me of my childhood and all of those things. But I get the adapted to the times, but wow, do I love this. Yeah. It's a lot better than the other ones you listen to, right? I mean, in the sense of having more... It, it appeals to me more personally. Right. I, I love them both for being really good examples of the different genres. But this one was my genre. This was for me. I would say it's for me, too. I mean, and I didn't even know it existed. I listened to the older shadows with the sense of, oh, this is nice and easy, and I like it, and it's fun. It ranks up there with Green Hornets. Green Hornets are so boring. Superman. (laughs) Infallible hero stuff. And Lone Ranger. You know, the shadow has a Lone Ranger feel to it. And it's great. But this was... (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's almost not likable. He's almost the villain in a lot of ways. As Tim says, these guys are so deplorable what they're trying to do. That's the trick, is you have to make your villain so much worse than your despicable hero. (laughs) Right? There is one really weird moment that I want to call out, though, when the shadow appears to Sneed in the car. And Sneed's looking around for him, and the shadow says, I'm here in the back seat, Sneed. And there's this pause, and then he says, No, don't look under the seat. (laughs) How dumb are you, Sneed? Like, there's this tiny shadow under his front seat. There's also a a very weird moment. A little. I said back seat. Come on. Back right, passenger side. (sighs) When I touch your shoulder, you will stop being such an idiot. There was a little evolution, too, of later episodes of The Shadow. Everyone just knows, oh, it's The Shadow. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, they all know him. This one, there's like, I'm The Shadow, maybe you've heard of me? Yeah. Yes, I've heard of him. They're like, sure, I'll go along with this. <laughs> and it's early on that uh, like he still doesn't have a relationship with Commissioner Weston, too. I like the, yeah, I like that the was end when he, the last line is fantastic, yeah. when he says, you should probably believe in ghosts now, Commissioner and shadows. Ah, hey, yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> Where's my ambulance? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and that was a fantastic Halloween. That I was. Just say one more thing that really killed me. It's uh, that he put his prison library card in the pocket of the guy who died on the road. I don't know why the idea of a prison <laughs> library card. It was, I, I can't put into words why I find that so funny. 
it's like, like what happens if you don't return your books in prison? It's like, you got me, officer. I didn't return my books. Put me That's in jail. With specifying, because his hands and face were just wrecked. Yeah, right. Right. Well, it's back then it was another five years. Yeah. I mean, if the library is that good, yeah. well, you might as well stick around. <laughs> Sing, sing. Hell of a library. <laughs> oh. All right. Voting. Uh, that's a classic. Stands that's the a, test of time. That's fantastic. It's a shadow classic, hands oh, down. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Classic. Yeah. All right. Tim, tell him stuff then. Please go visit ghoulishlights.com. Hey, it's Halloween. What a great time to go visit ghoulishlights.com. Uh, you'll find other episodes of this podcast. Um, that's a way to get a hold of us through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Leave a comment on an episode you like. Vote on a poll. Learn about our live performances. Just explore glucialice.com. Um, you also find links. I'm still going. Oh, sorry. I know you want to tell me about Patreon and reviews on iTunes, but I'm not done yet. Oh, you ruined everything. <laughs> I'm doing it this week. <laughs> All right. Um, there's also links to some other folks who do uh, horror-related things. Uh, 12 Times It's Midnight, Monster Kid Radio, People We Just Love, Wall Breakers, Breaking Walls. Um, their podcast is awesome. All right, I think I'm out of delaying tactics now. <laughs> Eric, please tell us. <laughs> so if you go to patreon.com, there's a way to give us money. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Joshua, give us more details on this Patreon-y thing. No, it's patreon.com slash the morals. You can go to it and you can give us money. That's pretty much it. You can also go to iTunes and... Well, actually, I should tell you right now that you probably somewhere in your house you're going to find half of a playing card. And you need to either write an iTunes review or you're going to die. I'm just letting you know that that's what's going to happen. A good review. A good review. We should <laughs> specify that. Specify. If you write a bad review, we'll Nothing touch your shoulder. Nothing really yes. happens. <laughs> you can write anything you want about me because I don't even know how to access that. <laughs> Next time, we celebrate Thanksgiving with a month of gratitude featuring listener and Patreon supporters. Our first one is Chip, who picked an episode of The Shadow called The Face. Until then... Look out! I will touch one of you on the shoulder. Stop him! Stop him! And that one will die. Just touch me on my shoulder.